Welcome back to the Sam Allardyce podcast with Sandro Forte. In part one, we heard about Sam's playing days and how he grew as a manager with the huge success he achieved at Bolton Wanderers. In this part, part two, Sam talks about his time as England manager, a period which came to an abrupt and controversial end and which Sam, as you will hear, feels was incredibly unjust. And for one of the first times, we hear Sam Allardyce's side of the story. So on the subject of success, let's flip it around. You know, it's not always been successful, has it? No. There have been some low points along the way. How, yes. do you, how Sam, do you deal with challenges in, in football, in life generally? Uh, family help you to deal with challenges. Good, good uh, loving family that's, that's always there for you, particularly me, my, my wife who's, you know, suffered the, all of it with me and suffers more than me. Um, you know, because she's not mentally quite as strong as I am and she feels everything I feel. And often more, I actually stopped going many, many years ago because she couldn't stand the negativity mm. around the manager. She couldn't stand the, the the fact that one slight mistake would be the manager's fault. Now, don't get me wrong, she would, being the manager's wife, she would hear that, obviously. You know what I mean? Mm. It wouldn't get lost in the crowd. It was, what's he doing calling my husband? You know what I mean? So she gave up a long time ago. She couldn't stand the negativity around it. That was after the Newcastle job. So, but then when she's, she told me she understands the game as much as me uh, in terms of the amount of times I talked to her about what happened, how it's happened, what am I trying to do, how am I trying to do it, and is there to support good good or bad, about why are you doing that? Well, you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should do this, mm. you know. But she's always been there and and, and obviously me, me, me son and my daughter as well. So, but it, but you you have to have that time if it's great. That uh, Yuri said, Yuri York, I've said once said, when you win the World Cup, what did you do? She said, two weeks off and one to win another. And get yourself ready to win another. Alex Ferguson would be the same at Manchester United. They'd win one Premier League. They came back in the f- first day of training. We're getting ready to win another. And, and and that was the sort of things I were picking up on by these people. And, you know, we've been successful. And we're going to be more successful. Mm. And if you rest on your laurels, you fail. And so Bolt Wanderers got to a stage where it wanted to rest rest on its laurels at the top level. And that I couldn't stand that. Because mm. my my drive wasn't that I was – my drive was thinking about the future. So what happened in the past, good or bad, I can get rid of it because I have to. Yeah. Because otherwise it will bring me down. Mm. I won't forget it. And I won't forget what some people did, and I won't forget the great times, which are a million times great times in this game. I've had more than negative times. That's just been a few blips in my 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 career. And and but moving on, the past is great to look back on. Maybe some of it not, but most of it is. But you can't live in there. And lots of people in this country live in the past. Football yeah. clubs live in the past. Oh, I remember the great Bolt Wonders with the great Nutloft. Well, it was my ambition to change that. I wanted them to talk about the Sam Allardyce team. 
Yeah. You know, the time we went away in Europe and the fans will remember all that, the time we, you know, we, we played in Europe, the times we, you know, we we were finishing in the top six. Yeah, not many sides can boast of playing in Europe. No, Bolton can. No, so. You know what I mean? And we got there two years out of three, but but that was all about the fact that we were able to do long-term planning. And uh, because of the 10-year contract, I give the staff the the opportunity to sign longer, not there wouldn't be 10 years, but there'd be three and four year contracts. But I always said to him, look, you're here as long as I am. Unless you mess, unless you mess up. Yeah. Because obviously there'll be some staff changes like players changing. Some staff would get better jobs and move on. The owners would worry about that. I wouldn't. And say what, what a credit is to us. Man United want one of our staff. Why is that? Mm. I mean, yeah, now, he wouldn't be going if you'd paid him enough, but you won't pay him enough. That's why he's going. So just pay him enough. Mm. Pay him what they're worth. Stop scrimping and scraping and penny pinching. You know what I mean? That's it's, it's about people want to work in an environment they enjoy, but they also want to get paid their worth because they've got families to look after. They've got mortgages. Yeah. So, you know, moving forward was was long-term planning was was great and moving the club forward at that time and, I'm living in the town where I'm, where you are now, where I am. This is Bolton, you know, but this is uh, where I've uh, lived and had the family home here um, for nearly all my life, like I mean. So we never give up this place, but we move we move different places, but we always come back here because, yeah. you know, we like Bolton. And uh, 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 the football club was the place that gave me my dream come true, you know. So let's talk about dream come true. And blip. And blip, Pro- yeah. Probably the biggest... It was a bit more than a blip, wasn't it? <laughs> probably you know the biggest mean? blip. Um, biggest, yeah. The, the You know, the England job, the yes. undercover report. It's been well publicised, so we're not going to do that one to death. But from what I can see, Sam, and I've spent a lot of time looking at this, you know, the allegations of helping third parties circumvent rules, you know, you you explained the club would, um, would, would have to buy them outright. That was quite clear. Yeah. The second one was using a position to negotiate a large fee in Asia you said you'd have to check with your employer. There's nothing that I can see, and I'm speaking personally, that suggests to me that you did anything untoward. So what was it, in your opinion, that made you think the FA acted the way they did? Was it pa- panic? Was it panic, I was going to say. Was yeah, it panic, panic or was it was it Panic and, and, uh, and in terms of a politically, politically correct issue, it was a case of your guilty till proven innocent. Mm. And, uh, and I think that... Um, uh, when, when Greg Clark going back saying, well, we'll have to look at all the evidence and wait and see. Well, in less than 24 hours after that, I was gone. So that was um, something that that they believed was actually, I'd actually done. They, they must have believed what was being put in the papers and what was being misconstrued and and changed that I didn't actually say. Just those few words made me circumventing the third party ownership rule, which I didn't. Yeah. But they changed it. Mm-hmm. It's actually in on the recording. I, I, that's why I said what I it's said. It's there cause... on the recording. And 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 obviously at that particular time, I could I I couldn't know this. I was, you know, completely head shot and I, I had to get away and just recover. Me and my wife and the family just had to, because I couldn't think straight. I, I was, you know, I made an apology out there, which I think I, I wish I never did. 
because when I look back on what actually happened now, you had nothing to justify. You had nothing to justify, no. Um, but because the FA acted squeaky, they made it worse. Mm. So everybody thought I was. Even in Parliament, Damien Collins. I mean, you know, where is he now? Now he knows it's not right. Where is he now saying, well, why did you do that to Sam? You know, we've got Ipso. You know, the Independent Press Institute. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and they are supposed to be there to stop this. But all they did was try to protect Telegraph. And we had to wait well over two years before we could actually pressure them into saying, yes, Sam, the Telegraph was wrong. But that's two years. Yeah. So their standards were a sham. Mm. And because their standards were a sham, I had to be, because Ipso being that body to oversee after the Leveson inquiry, was supposed to be there to, to be neutral, to look at the situation and say, whoa, you're way out of order here. And we had to, I mean, I think it took us well over six months to get the tapes because my lawyer came to me and said, Sam, let me out for you because I think you've been done so wrong. Without Mark Bateman, who was my solicitor in London, who personally took great offence to this, I'm glad to say, has driven this all the way through. And and, and uh, along with my agent and uh, one of my friends in London, who were, who were both involved, Mark Curtis and, and, and Shane Maloney at the time. We had this particular drive to make sure that we got ju some justice. I mean, we haven't got real justice because it's just flipped in and out the, the papers. None of the papers really wanted to talk about it because they're going against their own yeah. and they don't want to do that. But but what what they did, and you had corruption next to your picture, even though they were saying, well, we didn't accuse Mr. Allardyce of corruption. While they didn't actually say I was corrupt in the story, they had corruption in headlines next to my picture. Now, is that not associated with the, all this stuff that they made up? Because I personally feel that they'd not got what they wanted from all the investigations that they had. They couldn't, they couldn't find the managers who were supposed to be taking this money. They couldn't produce the evidence for the so what did they have left? They spent so much money because apparently undercover operations are massively expensive. That they what did they have left? So they chose to change the words I said on tape to suit their story to create the headline. To generate the revenue to, to cover create the, the revenue and justify the story. And what sickens me even more is people like Damien Collins who spoke out loudly about it in the houses of commons. He's not coming to me and saying, Sam, what can we do now for you? Why why are they not looking into Ipso? Why are they not looking into the Telegraph? That's what they should be doing now because they were making a massive deal about it when that story broke. Everybody was jumping on the bandwagon saying, you know, I was this, I was that, I was the other. Now the reality is I weren't. And as you said, and as every, every sensible person said across the way, you always said... And it was always said mm. that that had to be okayed by the FA. And I never even attempted try to to break third party rules. But even now, Ipso are trying to suggest that it was a suggestion that you might. That's how biased they were across the story. And it, as you can tell, it still really gets me 
worked up because it's very new because we've only just managed it after two years to get where we've got, which should have been an awful lot sooner. But there is justification there that, that it shouldn't have happened. It, it has happened. And, and as I said before, I have to move on. One thing, you know, that in, I mean, the Telegraph, to, to finish on that, the Telegraph actually won a prize for that. Can you believe it? It's extraordinary. Isn't it? So they actually won a prize, a journalistic prize on great journalism under distorted the words that I said and distorted the story on purpose. This was done on purpose. And then the FA, in their wisdom, made it even worse by not giving a few weeks Lou just through HR, through the process of employment, by saying, we'll go and investigate this. You can have a you can have a hearing, you can put your pay case. You know what's in employment law? Unfortunately, there was none of that. So do you think that without, you know, I know there's a legal process and we've got to be a bit careful here, Sam. So, uh, mm. and the purpose of this, this conversation is to find out, you know, about Sam, the man, mm. Sam, the manager, what's made you successful, how you've overcome challenges and you've given us some loads of good stuff. So I thank you for that. So I don't really want to get too provocative here, but no. do you think, um, the you know, the press, the media have too much power? Is social media fueling the flames a little bit well, now? Because it seems that, you know, you said earlier, you, you pr you're guilty until proven innocent. And that's, you know, that's not English justice. But it, it seems that everything that we do, um, the collective we, is debated today before anyone gets a chance to do well, anything about it or say anything. Well, I, I li listen to most high-profile people on the tel television and listen to and listen to what they say in their particular industry when it comes to the press. You know, mm. and I don't hear any any celebrity or anybody in high status actually say they're okay. Because mm. you particularly listen to, is it just you? You're getting it. So is it? Is it? Is it just you? Is it? You know? Is it just football? Well, it's not. It's wherever it is now, and uh, it, you know they they as they did in my situation, they take out the out the the story and manipulate what you've said into an headline mm. because they have to sell papers. Yeah. Because the internet is threatening them. So they have to become more, in my opinion, more and more volatile in what they write now, yeah. which is very sad um, in all aspects of the celebrity world. But, yeah. you know, it's just really what you call there's more fake news out there than ever before. So is it is it real? No. Is it right? No. But let's write it anyway. Yeah. And, and without Leveson Inquiry 2 being taken up, by the government who've shirked the responsibility of those millions and millions of pounds being spent. The press are sneaking back to more and more to about what the... But it, and it's we call it freedom of speech, but we don't really have freedom of speech, do we? Well, yeah, they no, talk about no, the free press, but it, this is press really, that's ruining lives and it careers. Is, it's, it's waiting. You know, it's waiting in, uh, uh, in, in, in abeyance. I think I, I remember my old mate ringing up... Um, uh, down in Dudley and the press had been around the whole, when I got the England job, they'd been around the whole of state of where I came from in Dudley as a kid, just to find out whether there was any juice. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, but it's not, like I said, it's not just, <coughs> it's not just me in football, but sadly it's in, 
in most aspect, in aspects, like you mean, Sam. Sam, pretty sad now. Um, I was watching Loose Women just before you got here, <laughs> and uh, sorry, Whoopi Goldberg. On, on sorry to sorry so, to interrupt it's, your. It's a good laugh. Your there, entertainment. But can you believe it? I'm not working at the moment. So, but I was listening to Whoopi Goldberg. She was saying the same. Mm. You know, in the states. I mean, um, it was Lily Allen, I think, on Jonathan Ross this week. You know, but nearly every week I listen to. You know, I met. Uh, down at Hacked Off, like you I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people in Hacked Off, which is a an organisation that uh, by you set up by you Grant uh, to fight his phone hacking. You know, it's very interesting to see what had happened, what had happened to people's lives mm. in Hacked Off and in their in their careers because of of irresponsible press. And it was really, I thought I was hard done by till I. I listen to some of those stories, like you mean. The thing is, Sam, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, all these people are in the public eye. They earn all these millions. <laughs> Therefore, they're kind of putting themselves up there to be shot at. But, you know, if you don't mind me saying so, you are, you strike me as a as a family man, your lovely mm. wife, Lynn, your kids. Yeah. You, you know, you're, a, dare I say, a normal, down-to-earth human being that happens to be working in football. So, you know, is it fair that you should be treated in the way you get treated by by the press in this particular case? Not in this particular case, no. But I mean, like I said, I think that you know, without going back over old grand, I was the real high profile guy there. There was there was nothing in my story to to quantify anything that they were trying to find, which is under counter payments, payments going to different places to coaches man or whoever and that just didn't materialize mm. and so they had third party ownership which was had been banned in actual fact in that and i didn't know it had been banned actually worldwide at that particular time because you know you, you change your rules you can't keep it up but i did know how it worked and i said how it worked yeah that simple but you know looking back you know if um, I had my time all over again, uh, Scott McGarvey was come and help me. There's a plea for help. Mm. On the top of that was a bonus with perhaps doing some uh, um, some speaking in, you know, signature speaking. It wasn't going, as they suggested, talking about um, third-party ownership. It was going to talking about in, in, in Hong Kong and places like that. Um, who wouldn't? One of the things I found very uplifting today is to hear you say, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what you said, but when you said there'd be many more uh, high points, many more successes in your career than low points, mm. despite everything you've just been talking about in mm. relation to the England job. Um, one question that we ask all of our guests, I'm going to ask you the same yeah. thing. Uh, a man of considerable experience, a pioneer in the game um, that, that stands for so many good things, Knowing all the things that you know now, if you were giving advice to a 15, 16-year-old version of Sam Allardyce as he was about to set out on the path to life and business or whatever it was he wanted to do, what advice would you give that 15-year-old Sam Allardyce? Well, the path would be much more difficult for them than it was for me. I think a 15-year-old today is... Um, route for progress is um, very, very, very difficult compared to mine. Um, 
but in today's in today's society would be find out what you love find out what you want to do as early as you possibly can particularly when you're at school and I'm not just talking about like me I dreamed to be a footballer I became a footballer so you're one of the lucky ones and every I'm on about if that's your sport, fine, do it. But what else can you do that you love? What, what you can find to, and 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 have you got a certain level of understanding of that, and you're pretty good at it, and really focus on it. You know, we have to do all our English and all our maths. Yeah, yeah, we have to do all that, but it, that might be needed actually to get into the to what you want to do. And then dedicate yourself to that particular way forward, that dream. I'm going to fulfil my dream. Have you got a dream? As a 15-year-old, Runks, have got a dream today. Uh, I haven't spoke to too many recently, so I'm not so sure. But you hold on to that dream and you try and fulfil it. It's your drive and your your um, expectation to to get where you want to go. It's hard work. It's do the hours you need to do. Um... Find the people who can help you. Keep away from bad influences as much as you possibly could um, and and really drive yourself on. And if you get a knockback, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and start all over again. And I think that a knockback can be, can be dealt many, many ways. You know, you can wallow in pity. Uh, you can think, oh, well, that's not going to happen. You move somewhere else. Or you can get up and say, I'm going to prove you wrong. And it's only by your own desire and determination that you, an understanding of where you want to go that will we'll actually get there. So people will get many, many knockbacks in life. But if you persistent enough and ultimately you are good enough, you'll find a way to get there. And I think too many youngsters actually find it very very difficult to keep that fight going and um and for me a lot of that is based to just on touch on this subject to finish with is our education system fails us massively in this country we are not educating people for jobs uh, the jobs that are, ne that are necessary in this country or we need to develop in this country we're all bent on brainwashing the parents to promote the kids and pay for the kids to go and get the highest master's degree they can possibly get. And then there's no job for them at the end of it. And they end up serving coffee in Starbucks or something like that. I mean, so it's completely under undermining the, what we're doing. A youngster finishing university with a master's degree with no guaranteed job but a debt of 50 or 60 grand. What an absolute... Mm. What an absolute joke. There's plenty the of examples is. of well-educated failures in this country, isn't there? Well, I mean, there's, there's enough. But it's not just that. Is we've lost the values of um, of apprenticeships on skillful people with great, uh, great skills with their hands as well as their mind who want to be electricians or want to be joiners or want to be plumbers or want to be bricklayers or want to be mechanics or want to 
we've lost the we've lost the, you know we've lost the art of providing an education for those type of people. When I left school, I could get a job, an apprenticeship anywhere. Anywhere I would be able to get a job at 15 and go and work and work my way up from the bottom to the top. Where's that now? Mm. So they, they don't even allow you to leave school at 16 now. And why, what reason is that for? Well, one, keeps the door queue down, government. Yeah. Mm. So there's there's not one people out of work, so they have to stay in education till they're eighteen. And two, how are, how are the people with these great kids with great minds allowed to expand on that education when there's no scholarships? You know, yeah. how is it our big schools are full of foreign interns mm. who pay for it just to make them richer? So you know, there's a lot of. That's me finishing on the political side of me <laughs> getting my opportunity to say how I feel yeah. about my country, not yeah. about football, about what's happening in general. Who's seen an awful lot in life, like me. And Sam, I think there's a lot of people who agree with you, a, a great number of people. Final question, then, very quickly: We're going to see you in football soon because I think we miss you. I would, I would, I would, I would like to think that maybe the right club will come along again and need my services, but I'm in totally in their hands when everybody asked me this question they said it isn't up to me it's up to me to make the decision when when a club will maybe make an approach to my agent uh, to me at this stage in my life I am not ringing up Mark and saying get me in here or try and get me in there or try and get me here I'm not you know doing any any of that you know I'm, I'm sitting back enjoying life with my with my family and uh and if that comes along, and I've, I've turned a few jobs around abroad, uh, which I didn't particularly at my stage of life want to want to want to do because I didn't want to leave the family. Yeah. Because my both my children and grandchildren are in less than half a mile away from me, and we've lived away from them an awful long time. Um, but in in the Premier League, you know, if the right job came along. I'd have, I think I would be interested, but you know, one never knows. While Everybody knows and everybody says, well, Sam will save you. Somebody still has to believe in me that I can do a job for them when that comes around. And there'll be one day when somebody won't. Um, if that's this year and life moves on, then life moves on. Mm. Well, I can speak, I think, for everyone who's listening today and saying, Sam, we, Sam Allardyce, wish you really well in the future. Thank you for being so candid today. It's been a, a really interesting interview. And I suspect this might only ever be part one because there's going to be lots of people saying, can we have a bit more of this? So um, hopefully we can have another chat sometime soon. Well, well you got me at the right time. <laughs> and uh, because I'm not, not, not working, I've got the time. And because I've got the time now to speak openly, with no editing, apart from what we want to edit between us to get the right story out there. It's it's my way forward because I unfortunately, you know, I have many mates and many friends in the press over many, many years. Um, and I really feel quite sorry for them because I think most of those press, press lads don't really want to write what they write, but I think they have to because of, the, of, of what's demanded from the owners of those and, and the editors. So, you know, in, in, you know, in fairness, when you're listening to this interview of me calling the press, which I have, there's a lot of people who are journalists that are really good and really good at what the job is. But I just think they're so, so put under pressure now to be writing 
some of that fake news stuff and some of that, you know, some of that criticism rather than the actual things that they would really actually try to write about. But, you know, when we get there again, uh, or if I get there again, and uh, if we get the opportunity to talk again, you can talk and hear it from me honestly and openly, and it, it can't be interfered with. Mm. Well, I certainly hope so. No, that's that's definitely the case. Uh, well, once again, Sam, thank you so much. It's It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. That was the Sandro Forte podcast, and what can I say? Sam Allardyce, what an amazing, open, transparent and honest interview that was. Remember, there are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast, that's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, your ideas, anecdotes, challenges or whatever motivates you. So please email me hello at sandrospodcast.com And please remember to leave a review on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.